Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard, hello, and Michael. Howdy. These uh, uh, Jomokis like to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many different topics, and this time around, they are debating not each other. They are debating Alex Squires. How are you, Alex? I'm great. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Uh, now, you are a producer, and you've got a really interesting project. Could you tell us about it? Sure thing. Uh, I currently have a Kickstarter called the Starwell Foundation. It's for season one of a comic book audio drama. It is about a, uh, a charity organization that tries to find athletes and celebrities and bring them to meet sick kids in hospitals. But in this universe, it being a comic, comic book universe... There are superheroes and villains, and some of these kids want to start meeting villains, and they're asking to, to have them come visit. And uh, what happens is an intern recently promoted it up to a facilitator named Mary Dare. It's her job to go try and find some villains and bring them to meet these kids and have nothing happen. But the heroes don't trust her. Some of the villains don't trust her, and her coworkers, uh, their trust kind of ebbs and flows as it goes. Uh, but... Uh, I co-hosted a podcast called Opinions May Vary since 2012. Uh, I, we have 450 episodes of those. Uh, my co-host retired, took some time off, and now this is what I'm doing with our channel and with everything we've built up to that. And uh, so I love comic books. I'm glad to talk about them and hopefully promote uh, the audio drama. Awesome. I think one of the perspectives you shared was that... Um, uh, you're kind of uh, turning in the audio drama world uh, villains into heroes and vice versa. Is, is that something you learned a little bit about from being a comic book fan? It's one of my favorite things because the good guys always have to struggle to be good guys. And sometimes just take one bad day where they could have made the choice to be a villain instead. Um, and some of them took that choice. And so I always love a good redemption arc. I love um, how an evil character might develop into a less evil character and all, all, the, all the different paths that might take and, and whether or not anyone still trusts them. And also the villains get the coolest costumes and the powers and the coolest lines. So what's, <laughs> you're already rooting for them as, as it goes. Yeah, I, I was thinking the other day, I'm a, I'm a Batman fan, and I think uh, <clears throat> some of the uh, uh, best comic book heroes aren't, aren't the best because of them being heroes because they're just the best rogues gallery <laughs> for sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just to uh, say it out loud, our topic is the Mount Rushmore of, of villains in comic books who have been redeemed uh, if only temporary. So uh, our guests go first. So Alex, Alex, could you please uh, give your first choice? My first choice is the entire team of the Thunderbolts. I know we said single characters, <laughs> but the the the, <laughs> the whole basis of the Thunderbolts is uh, they started off as the Masters of Evil, and Baron Zemo was like, the heroes are gone. We're going to pretend to be heroes. Everyone will love us, and then we can take over the world. But as they go playing at being heroes, some of them start to develop feelings and start to develop uh, maybe being villains isn't quite what it's cut out to be. And uh, the series has gone over 200 issues and had multiple volumes. Um, Baron Zemo kind of, you can never tell if he's actually turned good or not, 
but many of his underlings like songbird is definitely a hero now atlas who used to be evil goliath has become a hero um a lame spider-man villain named the beetle he became mach one but every time he gets a new like jetpack suit he makes it mach two mach three mach four i don't know what he's up to anymore um red hulk originally started off as a villain he ran the team for a while and i just love the entire series that was written by kurt Busick, and i believe original art for the for the early series was mark bagley um and i have every issue i have original art from the series and i can't get over the thunderbolts um they have a new series coming out which unfortunately has no villains on it they're all heroes already uh but i believe they're also uh, gonna start in the mcu that was uh, teased a while ago and that's made up of mostly the um some of the cast from uh, the black widow movie yeah, yeah I, I think I, uh, is a harrison ford thunderbolt ross or... <laughs> i don't think he's I think in hasn't been cast no <laughs> i thought harrison ford was replacing uh, william hurt oh that's right he does have to get replaced doesn't he uh, well, they yeah. haven't well, introduced. I'm sure they can CGM, but <laughs> <laughs> since it's a weird thing, Marvel can never make a solo Hulk movie anymore. Oh yeah, it's it's tied up. It's tied up in some junk. So if we get mm -hmm. a Red Hulk appearance, it's going to have to be in some other thing. So maybe the film will be the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, what, what like... were you say, Michael? Uh, what I like about this uh, Alex's choice is that it really kind of reveals a. Uh, uh, I like the villains discovering that the grass is actually greener on the other side, <laughs> that there, there is some, there is something that feels good about like nobility or like doing something good. Um, I watch a lot of like dopey kind of kid shows with my son who's five and like, you know, almost every it's, he likes, you know, stupid uh, PJ masks or he likes a Spidey and his amazing friends. And like all of them are like, like these real nice, like life lessons about, Hey, Green Goblin, why did you try being nice to people? And he's like, well, I don't want to be nice. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but give it a shot. And he's like, well, you know, but I like the <laughs> idea that that like just by the actual <laughs> the act of accidentally doing good in order to later down the road be ultimate evil, they learn to be good. I think that's a super choice. That would save the trope of the mm -hmm. villain monologue. Like, uh, we are not so different, you or I. <laughs> like, but no, you're. No, you're nice. You don't have to deliver this monologue. Oh, <laughs> oh. <Not> nuts. <laughs> I had it all written out. That's well, yeah, I think. Under tear, everyone. <laughs> I'm actually, so we did get the, um, was it Black <laughs> Bolt? Who was, who was the Thunderbolt that was teased in the um, a multitude of the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness or something like that? I think, I think. Um, well, as from the image I saw, if it was a legit image, because there's always, you can never really tell sometimes. But um, the Yelena Bolova Black Widow, I think Winter Soldier was on the team. The Taskmaster, I think Red Guardian, um, and maybe a couple others that I don't quite recall. The, mm -hmm. the, the kind of quasi-Captain America, the um, U.S. agent or whatever yeah, he became. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... John Walker. We've got right. um, Harrison Ford, Aesthetius, Thunderbolt, Ross, and yeah, Bucky Barnes. Oh, uh, yeah, David uh, Harbor, <laughs> um, Captain Russia, Red Guardian. Sorry, Red Guardian. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but I think it was in, um, what was it in? 
the multiverse of madness um there was kind of a, a scene where they were i guess it was in kind of an alternate reality scene uh, oh that was the illuminati that was the illuminati oh sorry okay yeah 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 it's okay 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 all right cool okay so uh richard and michael what do you got i'll go first michael super with yeah my, go for it my, my wealth of comic book knowledge um lex luther surprisingly enough okay someone who has he joined the justice league for god's sakes lex luther joined the justice league um <laughs> and many other times too too many for me to, to list off in this in this episode has helped superman now most of the time when he helps superman it's for his own benefit so maybe maybe the altruistic reasons aren't necessarily there or oftentimes Lex Luthor and Superman run up against a bad guy who even Lex Luthor is like, look, I'm a bad guy. But this this asshole, this guy's really evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like, you know, whenever they team up to fight Doomsday or uh, the Phantom Zone criminals or stopping the Justice Lords, any number of things. And I just love this concept of a villain who has very specific reasons for being evil. And most of the time with, with Lex Luthor, it's about power and money. But even him having his limits in terms of what he would consider to be worthwhile evil. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's funny. I want to piggyback on that real quick. There is a very strange, uh, really trying to be poignant uh, Marvel comic that came out um, shortly after 9-11 where uh, there was like a, a trying to raise money for charity sort of Marvel thing about how all these, even the superheroes couldn't stop this horrendous thing that happened in real life. <laughs> and there's this ridiculous panel of like these super villains standing around. It was like Dr. Doom and uh, the Red Skull and the Kingpin. And they're like, not even us would stoop this low or I'm using exaggerated <laughs> words. And there's like a tear coming out of Dr. Doom's like mask. And it's just like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And it's like, you guys literally try to blow up the earth like every like week and a half. What, what, you know, I know that this is the real life consequence of like real life horrible things, but like, let's, let's not uh, try to get up on any sort of high horse because like, this thing happened to real humans and like in your comic book world now it's like okay let's give these guys let's give these guys a little bit of like humanity it's like you guys try to go like i don't know kill people all yeah. the time <laughs> like, humans and yeah like like they're strange. going to go they're going to record a charity mega single together with the villains <laughs> against 9 11. <laughs> there comes a time <laughs> When villains <laughs> must respond. <laughs> okay, uh, Alex, what's your second choice? So, um, way back in early Marvel, we're going to come all the way back to 1965. Oh. There was this amazingly powerful team of four people. One was smart, one was strong, one had sticky gunk that shot out of a gun. They were the frightful four. On this Ooh. team was a woman 
with red hair that could like snap out and envelop people in tendrils. The hair was super strong somehow. She was Medusa. And the wizard, who was like the leader of the Frightful Four, convinced her, it was like, hey, we all hate the Fantastic Four. Let's go ruin their day constantly for like a couple years. And Medusa's like, yeah, whatever, I'm on board. But she had fallen out of the Inhumans' home of Adelan, and she'd been lost somewhere in Europe. And the wizard just happened to find someone who has superpowers who like didn't have an intact memory and said, you're a villain like us. And she just went, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And uh, there are many battles with the fantastic four. I think she also fought Spider-Man a couple times, but it wasn't until um, her, her family and the humans came looking for her and kind of fixed her memory, jogged it back that she's a member of the Royal family. And she helped defeat the frightful four again to leave them and go back to be with Black Bolt and Gorgon and Karnak and them. Because sometimes you just kind of forget who you are. And when someone says, <laughs> you're the worst of the worst, come hang out with us. And if you don't know any better, you might go do it. So sometimes you just need someone to try and pull you back in and remind you of who you can really be. And so my second inch is Medusa of the Inhumans. Oh, yeah, cool. look, maybe it's just my lack of self-esteem, but if somebody... If I had no memory and someone told me, oh, you're you're evil. Yeah, okay. That tracks. It feels like that tracks. I don't know why. But just deep down in my gut, I just kind of feel that. Okay, sure. That is, yeah, I don't know if it's the tequila from last night. Right. <laughs> I can't find my wallet or phone. Like, I, I feel evil. <laughs> I got a splitting headache. Well, that is interesting. I, I, I guess I, what, you know... There's so many times in this podcast that we talk about comic books. But we also talk about, it seems like we, we could do something about French poetry and we would find a way to talk about wrestling and heels <laughs> turn face and face turn heels and all that kind of stuff. And it just is one of the most mm -hmm. dynamic parts of storytelling where someone's very identity and agenda can completely change. And I think that just must be what's so compelling to to the the, the audience for, for these stories. So... Um, Richard, Michael, what's your second choice? Uh, our second choice. Well, one last little note on that. I, I just love the idea that uh, potentially the Frightful Four were just angry that there is another team with the number four in their title. <laughs> <laughs> like they could have just gotten like another member and been like, all right, we're the Frightful Five now. And like, are we going to still bicker with have. these people? Or, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> our second choice is uh, Venom who was a, um, is continued to be kind of a very popular Marvel character um, who has been a hero, so to speak, for a lot longer now than he's been a villain, which I find pretty interesting. Kind of in that uh, vein of Medusa, where he was introduced in like the late 80s um, and rose to prominence um, in the 90s as a main antagonist of Spider-Man as this alien symbiote that... Um, was bonded to Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and then um, was ripped from him and then bonded to, uh, oh, what's his face? Um, uh, Eddie. Eddie Brock, a reporter uh, who hated Spider-Man, who hated Peter Parker. And then at some point, because of like the 90s, uh, <laughs> there was like this whole like bad boy uh, 
anti-hero stuff going on. Ghost Rider was super popular. Wolverine, Punisher. I mean, even behind Alex, I know that there's like, uh, you know, there's these glaring <laughs> Lobo eyes, the baddest bastage out there. <laughs> that like, there are these, there are these um, like characters that were like the tough, uh, chomping on a cigar. And like, they decided, you know what? Venom has to be this. We got to take Venom. He's so popular. Let's turn him into a quote, lethal protector unquote where he kills people but he's still uh, he's only gonna kill bad guys or something and for the course of i don't know now it's been something like 30 <laughs> plus years he's kind of evolved into uh like this symbiote itself has more of a personality it's traveled from hero to villain back to hero it's been on uh matt gargan the ex-scorpion it's been on um flash thompson it's been on all these different people but he still went from being this guy that wanted to eat spider-man's brains to uh you know kind of like a mercenary <laughs> for hire space knight uh slash i don't know venom it's very strange because i think this there's this guy this thing that is all teeth and tongue and slime and whatever and he's like technically a hero and i think that's very strange that <laughs> that this was a feels like mostly like a marketing thing like we got to capitalize on uh you know uh i don't know azrael becoming the new batman who breaks people's backs we need a guy that's out there that is killing people eating their brains but he's a good guy okay we got the guy with the teeth let's go why do you think that is like if i, if I may I, I, yeah please I have two points. Matt Gargan and Flash Thompson were both on a Thunderbolts team at different times. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And uh, I, I was explaining to my wife earlier about Venom's origin. And like, I love Venom. I have so many of his comic books. But to try and explain how he first came around, it's, it's kind of lame to be like, well, Eddie's really bad at his job. So he got fired. Now we hate peter parker and he was mad because peter didn't want to be his boyfriend so he hates spider-man too and then they just happen to find each other and go let's kill spider-man and that's how you get it that's that, that's it you did it you found venom wow i i, I just wonder does any <laughs> other is there any other medium that's like this i think of something kind of like wrestling where you have a different match every night in a different city there's so many more, the demand for stories in comics is so much higher than uh, say novels, you know, the Harry Potter, you know, you don't have to have that much, that much plot. Um, is that why they get twisted around so much? Or is it so gratifying to see them twisted around? Or like Alex was talking about the gray area between villain and hero. There are so many times they have to make deci tough decisions. Um, is that why it flips around? so much um I, i'm just also i've heard of of comic creators not wanting to create original ip because now dc marvel just owns their new creation so they'll dig into the vault yep. and pull out an old mm -hmm. character and maybe like groot was a bad guy at the beginning just kind of make 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 them good because why not uh so i'm just curious as to why that happens so much I don't know, you know, talking about the 90s a little bit, uh, there was this big kind of um, 
exodus from marvel comics and dc with like image comics and like most of their guys or a lot of their characters had this same sort of like uh anti-hero thing like spawn who is probably the biggest of all of them um created by todd mcfarland was like a character that he had created like when he was a teenager in the 70s and he just kind of held him in his back pocket to be like this you know weird demon superhero probably because of that probably because of that exact thing that you and alex mentioned where they didn't want to uh give away the store so to speak um and uh i don't know i i think it's i think that's a, a very interesting it must be this thing that that's kind of tickling in the back of their brains where they're like i've got this great idea but i want it to be my idea and i think um rather than being exploited or sold or created for some some other company yeah yeah okay well this is the halftime and we implore you to download rate and review past episodes but also go out there and support alex's um gofundme kickstarter for your project uh tell them about it alex yeah so um i have a few tiers the 75 dollars tier is all gone that was the person place for thing where you could name uh, something within this series <clears throat> in the six episodes they'll each be around between 20 to 30 minutes a piece but uh, you could pick a character a weapon a street uh, something to name yourself um, but yeah I plan on having hopefully if, if everything goes well uh, maybe four more seasons but we, we've made our first funding goal our stretch goal is a uh, it'll be like a true crime podcast that happens within the Star Wars universe, and that'll give more background on the city, the heroes, the villains. So imagine like my first murder or the last podcast left guys talking about, well, here's how the they captured Dr. Aegis, or here's the, the rise and fall of the accordion, who's the name of a villain. But anytime he's been beat up so much, anytime he gets caught, he just folds <laughs> and gives up all his his cronies he folds like an accordion and so the other villains don't like him that much but he's an excellent planner so how how do you, you know there's a way to deal with that so the stretch goal give us uh one of those episodes where they talk about that and give this true crime uh podcast kind of uh extra episode available only to backers not to the public nice wow super cool yeah by the super way cool. by the way if you want to give any of us 75 bucks you can name any of us <laughs> We will change well, seventy-five bucks. That's that's not a problem. Yeah, what's it cost to go into the DMV? Have your name changed? Whatever, whatever that plus ten bucks. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> okay, so that means we're back, and uh, Alex gets to uh, let us know his third choice. My third choice is we're still going to talk about Spider-Man. He has some of the best villains. This particular one is the Superior Spider-Man. There's a point where Dr. Octopus has taken so much damage. He's sick. He's dying because of what his, his octopus suit has been do doing to him for years. And he's able to put his consciousness into Spider-Man's brain. And with this, at first you think like he's just going to keep being a villain as Spider-Man now. But he quickly decides that he's so much smarter than Spider-Man. And he can be so much better than Spider-Man. Why shouldn't he just go on and be the superior Spider-Man? And so now we have, I think, at least a year, maybe two years of Spider-Man issues 
we're just Dr. Octopus doing better at being Spider-Man than Peter Parker ever could. He sends out uh, little octopus or spider robot drones throughout the city to like surveil everything. He starts taking down other villains. He like punches Matt Gargan's jaw off of his face because he's he realizes like I'm this strong now. This is awesome. And he goes through and just keeps doing that until he gets to Norman Osborn. The he, by at this point he's going by the King Goblin. He has a goblin gang. There's so many goblins. And whatever he's doing to try and still be a hero isn't working. He can't maintain being a hero against these villains who are worse than him. And eventually he realizes he has to give Spider-Man back to Peter Parker. Because Parker's always... He... Is able to give that up and stuff. He's still superior Spider-Man, still beating bad guys until an alternate dimension Norman Osborn comes back, and he still can't beat him because he can't save everyone and beat the bad guy. And he realizes I have to stop caring about being the good guy anymore. I have to go back to being Doctor Octopus. So he makes a deal with Mephisto, becomes Dr. Octopus again. He's not handsome like Peter Parker was. And he's able to get suit and save who he has to save, beat the guys he has to beat. But in all this realization, he's still a villain. He's still Dr. Octopus. But I'm never going to forget all the time he's had as the superior Spider-Man. Uh, oh, what was... What was uh, Peter's consciousness at that time? Was it just like it's stuck in some sort of like Mephisto-driven limbo as well, or it, uh, it it's it varies. It was supposed to be erased in his own mind while Doctor Octopus had taken it over. Um, so there'd be issues of comics where like a ghost Peter would be in the panel, seeing Otto Octavius doing stuff with mm -hmm. his body, and like kind of going nuts about it but also there's times where he would try and influence doc ock to like not be quite so violent <laughs> and say things like get away from my family <laughs> oh, real jiminy cricket sort of yeah he, he was in there and so that's in once that body back because the consciousness still existed hmm. wow that's cool that's uh um uh, really interesting to to have that crisis of identity and realize that um there are all these things mm -hmm. that you can accomplish uh as this blend between these two uh characters but there are limitations and uh him acknowledging that it's, and reverting there's there's a similar level with uh when richard i believe named lex luthor because there's always a point where they sometimes there's a point where they decide I don't need to take over the world, but I'm going to become so powerful that they have to give it to me. And that's a thing that I always like look for in a story or that maybe someday I would like to present a story in a similar tone to that where it's like, I don't need you. I need you to ask for my help. Hmm. Yeah, that's, 
that's it's really it's really interesting. Okay, uh, Richard or Michael, which third? Third choice is Dr. Harleen Quinzel, otherwise known as Harley Quinn. Um, Harley, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, which who is proof that Arkham Asylum's hiring practices could probably <laughs> use an upgrade. Maybe we want to run some sort of disc test or other sort of personality test. And just make sure that you don't have the type of personality who is, you know, easily influenced by brilliant psychopaths. Just going to throw that out there as a as a good hiring practice for Arkham Asylum. Yeah, is there a Myers-Briggs or something that they can... Yeah, something like <laughs> no. that for, for not being influenced by psychopaths. Yeah. Uh, but she is, and obviously spends a lot of time as the Joker's sort of girlfriend and partner in crime. Um, but eventually tires of the Joker's abusive ways and decides to strike out on her own and is now one of the most powerful and beloved superheroes in the uh, in the DC universe. And I just, first off, I love the idea that, that somebody from the Batman, the TV series, influenced what happened in the comic books and became so, so sort of, loved or liked or somebody the the, the fans kind of clamored for that they had to include her in the in the comic book lore and i think she's an interesting example of somebody who didn't start off evil but was kind of turned and influenced to be evil and then eventually kind of learns how to how to become not evil again i find that interesting mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, the comics are... I've seen her relationships with um like Poison Ivy. She definitely has even when even when evil, she was also the best friend of other villains. So there was she was the most evil best friend you'd ever have. What right. You say, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say that a lot of like sometimes like some of the Batman's rogue gallery type villains have this um kind of live within like this gray area that we is probably more realistic. Uh, Catwoman, for example, too, is kind of goes back and forth, uh, kind of pursuing um, whatever she's pursuing for her own needs. I'm sure Harley Quinn also has that where she can kind of flip back and forth. She can be a hero. She can be a villain. She can uh, kind of do whatever she needs. That's true to her character, rather true to, you know, some sort of, um, you know, chaotic, neutral, chaotic, uh, uh, evil, uh, you know, lawful, you know, whatever that nine, that nine square board thing. She doesn't fit squarely mm-hmm. on one side. She can kind of, kind of dance around, um, wherever she needs to. Yeah. Let me ask you this. This is gender politics and what I love about, uh, comics as they've evolved, as they've, they've, I think I've caught up with, more contemporary understandings of, of our psyche and our, our, our strengths and our weaknesses and human psychology has kind of been acknowledged in, in popular entertainment a little bit, but do you, do you think this happens more frequently with non-male characters that they may, maybe, especially as they are drawn, (laughs) I've, (laughs) these Harley Quinn is, is hard not to fall in love with because she's just so funny and charming and silly and and it would it, it's a hard thing for a uh, um a reader to think she's all bad anyhow um 
I yeah, she's kind of a manic. She's kind of a manic pixie dream girl, but one yeah. that will kill you. Yeah, yeah. All right, interesting. Okay, okay. Uh, Alex, your final choice, please. Have we read? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Invincible. So, uh, okay, it's currently season one is on Amazon. They got approved for season two, maybe season three. This is going to be a spoiler for the Invincible series because the comic book has run its course and ended. Um, there was a character we met in the cartoon in season one. His name is D.A. Sinclair. He's a brilliant scientist, uh, a little too brilliant because he's real narcissistic. And what he starts doing is kidnapping people and turning them into part cyborgs. They're called Reanimen, and they're real tough. Invincible faces off against one, can barely hold his own, eventually does beat this random man, and then finds out there's two more that he has to fight. It doesn't go that well. He ends up winning, but he does capture D.A. Sinclair, the man who's creating these Rihanna men, and puts him in jail. But later on, he finds out that D.A. Sinclair is no longer in jail because his boss, who like is this government... Uh, image universe kind of Nick Fury character has hired him and given him work and says, your Rhiannon are pretty amazing soldiers that the government wants to use. And sometimes to be a villain, all you need to not be a villain is get a job. <laughs> In this case, <laughs> he needs a job and a steady flow of corpses because it's, it's easier to use corpses to turn into random men than real people. So he's not kidnapping anyone anymore. The military just gives him corpses and he turns them into these cyborg uh, hunters and fighters and makes his own like army of them. And later on, he's able to make random men out of alternate universe corpses as well, which the heroes have to face off against. And in some cases, he's being used by the hero main characters to do good things. And so needing your family to help you out. Sometimes all a villain needs is some better direction and a job and corpses. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. I kind of think of um, in real life, well, we were at Kennedy Space Center and um, um, Werner von Braun was a Nazi until we needed him to make us rockets. And now he's a, <laughs> a hero. <laughs> so there's all these, or all the... Um, all the uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's got an army made out of, of, of criminals <laughs> who were uh, jumped out of jail when when he couldn't get any more con conscripts to fight the Ukrainians. So <laughs> it is it's interesting. Just yeah, be, be, exactly. Be yeah. Abuse. OK, uh, Richard and Michael, um, boy, you guys, this is uh, Alex has had some really great choices. What do you got for your final choice? Uh, my. Our last choice, boy, very, uh, uh, what's the word? Egotistical of me, uh, is uh, Magneto, the kind of classic oh, yeah. X-Men villain who was kind of first created in much of the, you know, the early 60s, um, you know, when Stan Lee was creating comics, uh, he could be very bombastic. And uh, for the X-Men, um, he created Magneto, who was basically just kind of a Doctor Doom-like character for the X-Men. Uh, he just wanted to take over the world. He thought that the mutants were 
superior to humans and wanted to kill all humans. Um, what's interesting about like the early X-Men series from the 60s is that it only ran for like four or five years. Like I think it only had 60 something um, issues before it went into like reruns for like almost a decade. Maybe not even that long, five, eight years, something like that. And eventually in like the late 70s and the early 80s, um, a writer by the name of Chris Claremont came along and kind of uh, revamped the X-Men in totality um, from helping to establish an entire new team of X-Men, but also taking the um, the series into kind of less, um, I don't know, uh, he was more diverse in everything about it from uh, who was on the team to kind of the ideas behind um, the X-Men and uh, uh, not, I don't quite want to say segregation, but like, uh, but where people belong in society. Uh, eventually Magneto himself was kind of reformed by um, uh, kind of his interactions with the X-Men over the years and went on to kind of become a teacher at their school and lead the new mutants. And he'd kind of over the years kind of gone back and forth um, sometimes he was a hero. Sometimes he was uh, maybe not so much of a villain. But what I find interesting now is there's this, over the last kind of um, four or five years, there's been this kind of total reimagining of the X-Men uh, as a society. And they've kind of kind of pulled away from the world at large to an extent and established their own kind of nation state. Uh, and they've basically kind of uh, given this amnesty to every mutant that ever kind of was to come live on this island, create this nation state, and uh, everyone from like Magneto to Apocalypse to uh, Mr. Sinister, like all of the the big bads that have ever been villains within like in the X-Men uh, universe are like living together with the heroes trying to create like a new society. But um, Magneto within that has always been, I, I thought, so interesting as a character who has witnessed this extreme um, uh, horrors as like a child of uh, the Holocaust and has been like the exact opposite in terms of like um, mission statement with, you know, Professor X. They've um, over the years kind of been pegged as like, uh, kind of like a Malcolm X type against a uh, more of a Martin Luther King type with um, Professor X, although I think that analogy is pretty, uh, I don't know, kind of patchworked over. I think it's I think it's an easy one to make, but I don't think it fits in um, in any way. But I I like the idea of a character who has pursued these goals to the degree that he's realized that that his idea for a society will never work. And the same thing happened with like Professor X too, where his initial ideas for a society have agreed to have never worked and the, the coming together of two and multiple other kind of uh, geopolitical minds. Um, I think it's just fascinating to put it, putting your own baked in goals aside to work for something bigger and better. Yeah, that's really cool. I, it, it was an interesting time where Chris Claremont kind of breathed uh, a, a very contemporary read on this uh comic that that had been of its time it just it's almost seemed like another team up book um but yeah was able to overlay so much 
that was so relatable with that and then make them even relatable by giving them so much they're so dynamic you know they can over over the time at time as things change switch agendas so i almost think of think of things in in uh and i will think of like popular characters um like uh the difference between saint nicholas as he's <laughs> observed through different cultures like the the guy who's going to put a lump of coal in your stocking or there there's mm. kind of a, a an edge to him in some cultures you know or or in in past and how he's been a little bit smoothed over a little bit he's done he wasn't a heel per se but it seems like there was there was a vindictive nature to this or, or there was an old testament kind of nature <laughs> to that character so <laughs> Um, a lot of villains have a it's up to you kind of um, decision making. It's like, I'll treat you good if you're good. But if you do anything wrong, I'll just murder you. Yeah. And then and because because they just believe themselves to have that power over other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of the kind of the Batman I, I like is like if if you if you screwed up and did the wrong thing and then got involved with the wrong people he's going to go save you from those wrong people but he might kick your ass too just <laughs> as a little bit of a lesson it's bart it's oh. bart Sim it's bart simpson swinging his arms and he's like if you walk into yeah. my hands it's your <laughs> fault <laughs> yeah. Yeah. okay uh so this is awesome um uh richard and michael lex luther venom harley quinn x-men really good choices not enough not enough to beat Alex Squires. Sorry. Uh, Alex, you are the winner up on the Mount Rushmore. We're going to have the Thunderbolts, the Frightful Four, and Medusa, and Superior Spider-Man, and Invincible, particularly, uh, I guess, D.A. Sinclair. Is that D.A. Sinclair who did all this stuff? Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. Cool. So uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Ooh. the uh, heroes who have turned villains who have turned hero at least temporarily and redeemed um and alex please remind everybody um where they can support you the Starwell foundation currently on kickstarter um that runs until march 9th and uh all of our old episodes are on omvpodcast.com we're also opinions may vary on instagram and uh New episodes of the audio drama should be starting in uh, July, but I'll be posting updates uh, leading up to that. Awesome. And it's uh, a lot of respect for talking to somebody who's been podcasting for over 10 years. That's it's pretty awesome. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Exhausting, too. <laughs> Exhausting, I bet, yeah. All right, this has been the Mount Rushmore of the thing I just said. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. I'm Alex, and thank you for having me on.